Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pop Culture on the Rocks. This is Callan. I'm with Anna. We're ready to chat about some fun stuff tonight. Anna, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. You know, it's Friday right now, so just happy it's the weekend. And whenever this hits your podcast feed, it'll still be the weekend. So it's a good day. That's right. Spend your weekend with us, you know. <laughs> or your your carpool on Monday, maybe. I don't True. know where. No, not carpool. Your, there could be some moms your out commute. there. Yeah, your commute. I mean, hey, if you're a mom and you're dropping kids off, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Let us know. Are you in the carpool line? Are you on a commute? Are you cleaning your house? What are you doing? I want to know what you're doing while you're listening to us. Leave us a comment or a review and let us know. Um, and speaking of that, if you would like to hit us up on the Instagram, then... <laughs> We are at Pop Culture on the Rocks podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Pop Culture OTR. And as always, we love when surprise emails hit our inbox at popcultureotrpodcast at gmail.com. So, Anna, tell me what you are drinking tonight. Well, this is actually a throwback to last week. We just to plug it, if in case you missed it, last week we had our first guest named Sarah, and we talked about Twilight. It was a fantastic time. And she had mentioned Vizzy, which is a hard seltzer company. So I had actually bought it before we had the episode with Sarah, and then she said that, and I was like, oh, we got a good recommendation. So I'm having Vizzy hard seltzer hint of black cherry lime with antioxidants mm vitamin C. So it tastes very good. I w- that first sip, I was like, ooh, this is nice. It does have cane sugar, so that's probably why it tastes a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. But it's really good, and it's only 100 calories, so yeah, I'm, I like it. I think I'm going to get some more flavors next time. Are you in agreement with Sarah that it is the superior seltzer brand that you've had? Mm, that's hard because I'm kind of like... This is kind of the way I feel about like soda because there I'm a diet soda person because I don't know, I'm bad about like, I don't want to drink my calories. So, you know, there's like LaCroix, for example, which is my favorite, you know, seltzer flavored seltzer water. Um, so that one's like completely guilt-free in my opinion, but then you have like diet sodas. And so, you know, it's got like aspartame and like makes it whatever makes it a brown color I don't know so (laughs) that's kind of how I feel about some of these is like I like all of them but some of them I feel less guilty about drinking if that makes sense but I will definitely get busy again it is very good And I'm excited to see other flavors that they have. I totally understand what you're saying. It's like there's an actually healthy choice and then there's a this makes me feel healthier choice, (laughs) even though it's probably not. Right. Um, So Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I've had Vizzy once. Actually, Sarah gave it to me and I liked it a lot, too. So I definitely want to purchase some in the future. Well, I'm having... (laughs) 
Uh, I feel like more often than not, I'm having something that turns out to not be my favorite. But hey, (laughs) we're all about trying new things. Exactly. So, and this is not bad, but I kind of got this knowing I probably wasn't going to love it, but I wanted to try it anyway. It is a Scottish ale. I bought it mainly because it's brewed and canned in Memphis from High Cotton Brewing. And we are Mississippians, but we're not that far from Memphis. I feel like that's part of my home as well. So I love supporting local. Yeah. And um, the can is super cute. So shout out to High Cotton Brewing. Um, I just got one can, but it's 5.5% alcohol, which I feel like is pretty good. Yeah. For a just like normal kind of ale flavor, which is like a darker kind of beer than I would prefer, it's pretty good. So... I don't think it's something that I personally would drink a lot, but that's just because of me. <laughs> I I think I would recommend it, you know, to try if you are a beer person, especially if you like trying local beer brands as well. Yeah, awesome. So, Anna, tell me what you have been watching recently. Well, I, uh, it was a few months ago I started watching The Mindy Project. I was looking for, like, another kind of like, you know, short comedy to watch whenever I'm kind of like wanting something a little light to watch. And I've already, you know, kind of seen like the staples, like The Office, Parks and Recreation, Friends, things like that. And I remembered a few people back in the day, I guess, whenever it was on, I remembered people saying they really liked The Mindy Project. And I liked Mindy from The Office, of course. So I was like, I'm going to give this a shot. And so far, I'm liking it. I'm like, I don't know how many how many episodes there are, but I'm on the second season and like the 17th episode. And it's been really good. It has a lot of um, funny moments, cringy moments, you know, it's just a good like, lighthearted show to watch. I usually watch it like, while I'm working on my puzzle or something like that. Just like a relaxing time. Yeah, just, you know, after like you have a long day at work, it's like, ah, tell me a joke, Mindy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we all need a little bit of that comic relief. So I understand that. You need, everybody needs a show where they can just like de-stress. So I get that. Well, what I've been watching induces stress. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so it's the opposite. So I have been watching Outer Banks, and yes, before you say it, I am late to the game because that was really popular, like, you know, early to mid-quarantine, if we're speaking in 2020 terms, <laughs> um, and it has already been renewed for a second season. I have just been taking my time watching it slowly. And I'm on episode 6 out of 10. And I will say, especially like about halfway through the series or the season, it picks up the pace a little bit and just gets a little bit more intense, which grabbed my attention more. So the first Mm -hmm. few episodes I was, you know, like, okay, this is fine, but um, wasn't hooked like I feel like a lot of people were. But I've been enjoying the last few episodes and... I'm curious to see what happens. You know, it's like a treasure hunt. So I'm reliving like my national treasure days. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is just a lot less historical. Right. But it's still a declaration of independence. Yeah. National Treasure made me feel like I could go steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm like, oh my gosh, I could figure out that I need to like put this over a light with some oil. (laughs) (laughs) The invisible ink and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That just looks fun. Um, But this is, it's a fun show. Okay. Cool. I've never seen it, so maybe that'll be a a future segment. You know, every week, if you are new to our show, one of us always provides a reason why Anna and I should be on The Amazing Race, and it's Anna's turn this week to provide us with one of those reasons. Yes. So I know that Callan and I are on the same page in this reasoning, uh, because this is a conversation we've had in the past. I think just one of the many reasons we should be on The Amazing Race is because we are willing to eat anything for a competition. So I don't know if our listeners remember Fear Factor back in the day with Joe Rogan. I was obsessed with that show and I was always like, I can totally, I would totally win this competition, especially the eating portion. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, Callan, you were on the same page, right? About Fear 100%. Factor? 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, years ago, even before I watched The Amazing Race on Fear Factor, I was like, I would totally eat that Madagascar hissing, hissing cockroach or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> The classic. Right, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Amazing Race kind of varies on their challenges, especially food-wise, but, you know, there are some that are somewhat gross, like bugs, possibly, or like a local delicacy that's something that we're not used to eating. Or it could just be something that's in kind of large portions. For example, um, my husband and I just watched season 16, which is like one of my favorite seasons. They were in Germany and they had to eat, the two of them had to eat a bowl of sauerkraut in like a certain amount of time. Personally, I love sauerkraut. So I was like, Callan and I totally got this. So that's just one example. I think we could eat anything, even if it's not something we would think should be eaten, like an insect or a plant that is not recognizable or something. When I think about food on The Amazing Race, I always think of this challenge that was on the London Eye and you had to eat it was something ridiculous portion wise. Mm-hmm. It was a giant steak plus like a baked potato and maybe a vegetable or something. And you had to eat it before the London Eye completed its rotation. Yeah. And of course, like the thing with that is you've got to make sure you get it the first time because if you eat all of that and then don't finish it and then have to do it again, there's no way you can eat right. it. Right. Your stomach's just like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Exactly. So that's the one I always think about. But yes, I loved Fear Factor. It wasn't the type of show that made me queasy to watch. I was just like, I could do this. Like, you just suck it up, you know? Uh, Literally. (laughs) So um, yeah, I... I am totally with you that I don't feel like you or I are really picky eaters. So yeah, and we're not easily like grossed out, you know, so for sure. Yeah, 
throw it at us. Also, I will say that our friend Ben every year throws a survivor party and it has survivor challenges and there's always an eating challenge. And Mm. Anna has won some of her rounds. It's true. But you have eaten the nastiest thing. (laughs) That's also true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So my problem is usually speed. Like I can eat whatever he gives us, but I'm not faster than the guys I'm up against usually. But yeah, I had to eat a pickled egg at one of those challenges. And obviously I still complain about it to this day um, (laughs) because it was the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten. If you've never had a pickled egg, just take it from me that you should not. I mean, people liked them, but not for me personally. (laughs) I've never had one personally, uh, but yeah, it's maybe I would like it. I wonder if I would like it because I like sauerkraut and that's a lot of like vinegary. Is it is that a similar profile? Yes, it's all vinegar. The thing really with it is, first of all, I don't really like hard boiled eggs either. And that's like a normal thing to like. So we've already got a strike against us. Gotcha. Then you add the strong vinegar flavor. Yeah. And then you couple that with like it's been jarred. So it's like softish. It's just. (laughs) Yeah, the texture is weird. Yeah, there's no redeeming quality to me. But I mean, you might (laughs) like it. If you like a hard boiled egg and you really like a vinegar flavor, then it might be for you. Maybe so. I mean, it's good protein. So (laughs) there you go. Every week, one of us um, educates the other on something that we have watched. So last week, like we mentioned, we had our friend Sarah on here to tell us all about Twilight, which is which was so fun. Um, so go listen to that if you haven't yet. Even if you like are not into Twilight at all, it's really funny. It is. But speaking of kind of... <laughs> maybe red flag relationships. (laughs) (laughs) I am educating Anna this week on a show called Married at First Sight. Now, this is a little bit of a random choice, but the reason that I thought it would be good to educate Anna on it is because I watched three seasons of it amidst quarantine um it just became one that I could binge all the seasons are on Hulu and then there's some random newer seasons on Netflix so you have some options on TV it comes on Wii so that's where you can find it and it's actually been on for years so there are at least nine or ten seasons at this point which is a lot I feel like yeah yeah so I I've actually seen four seasons now that I'm thinking about it. Yikes. Um, (laughs) So I watched like a newer one. And then when I finished it, I decided to go back and start at the beginning because we usually like to do that. Both of us, I feel like we like to go back and see how it started and then how the show has evolved. I did that. And of course, things were different. You haven't seen any of Married at First Sight, right? Do you know what it's about at all? I know absolutely nothing. I feel like I've seen like maybe a couple like memes on Facebook or something, but I have no clue what they mean at all. (laughs) Okay, so besides the title, I will explain the premise. Basically, they choose a city every season. So um, they've done like Atlanta, I think before, or they've done like New York City slash New Jersey 
Pennsylvania, whatever. So they choose a city. So before they film the season, you can apply to be on there. And then they have kind of like a group open casting call. But it's applicants who are single and are willing to marry someone they've never met. After all these people gather and apply, there's a panel of experts. So this is made up of a few different people. Usually there is a spiritual guide of some sort. So early on, it was a rabbi. Later, it switched to a pastor. Then you have a sex therapist or relationship therapist. And then my favorite of all is this woman who has been on every season and she's a sociologist and she is my favorite because her name is literally Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Wow. What a claim to fame. (laughs) I know. And if you know me, you know I love Dr. Pepper. It's one of my favorite things on this earth. And her name is Pepper Schwartz. And of course, she has her PhD So she is known by everyone on the show as Dr. Pepper, which I think is amazing. (laughs) Living the dream. Uh, I mean, seriously, she's awesome. So she's been around the longest. Um, Good old Dr. Pepper. So they pull from this group of people and create um, like four different couples that they believe are all good matches for one another. Mm-hmm. Based on, you know, the personality tests and all their assessments that they've done, they decided that these people are good matches, even if it's kind of not what the person themselves might think they want. Right. This is actually what you need kind of situation. Yeah. Okay. When they match couples, they don't find out who they are matched with until they walk down the aisle. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So at the beginning of the season, you get to... You get like a little bit of a snippet of who these people are, but really the first episode is the wedding days. And so you see like all of these families and friends are there kind of scoping the other side out. Yeah. The episode makes me anxious because I'm like, I don't know how these people are going to react. Right. Obviously, you're pretty sure they go through it, but you don't know how they're going to respond to seeing this person, you know, but... Out of all the seasons I've seen, they all do say I do. So they film the wedding, but then they've interviewed them later. So they're like giving their thoughts in that moment. And the horrifying moments are when like they are saying, oh my gosh, this is not my (laughs) type at all. This is not what I want. They're trying to ruin my life kind of thing. Oh gosh. I'm like, you signed up for this. (laughs) Yeah, so you're watching these people get married and, like, one of them or both of them are thinking, like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout the season, it kind of follows the same format every season. You basically see them go on their honeymoon, that's a few episodes, and, like, actually get to know each other and, like, learn who the other person is. Yeah. They come home, they have to move in together and discuss where they're going to live, their finances, um you know, their work-life balance, all the stuff, the experts like visit them throughout the season, checking on them. And then at the end of the season, they all go and choose if they want to stay married or if they want to get a divorce. And they have to tell the experts what their decision is. They only have about six weeks from wedding day to decision day, as they call it. Wow. Yeah. 
It's a lot packed into a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, to be on the show, you have to be a certain personality type. And I'm not necessarily against like an arranged situation. Because, hey, I have all these experts that have picked this person. So obviously, they see, you know, why it would be a good match. Mm -hmm. But I would not personally, literally marry somebody that I had never met. So obviously, it takes a certain type of person to want to do this experiment. Yeah. Some of the couples, you know, like I said, I haven't seen every season, but some of the couples are still married. They're even kids now. So... It's been a success, actually, which is cool to see. And then there's, of course, some people that either got a divorce like that day, you know, the decision day, or were married for a little bit of time, maybe a year more, and then ended up getting a divorce, too. So Hmm. it's kind of across the spectrum, but it's fun to watch this social experiment. Yeah, I bet. And I'm, I was about to ask you what the kind of the ratio that you saw of like people staying together, people divorcing, things like that. So of the four seasons I saw with four couples each time, probably about half or a little more decided to stay together, which is pretty good. But only like half of that half is still married now. Okay. Do they do kind of like a reunion type of deal or check-in? Yes. In the newest season that I saw, they did have a reunion. Some of them, I skipped the reunions. I just like Googled what was happening with these people or found them on social media. Yeah. Um, Especially since I just binged the whole thing. But yeah, they'll check in and see what's going on with them. I haven't seen all the seasons, so I didn't watch this yet because I didn't want spoilers. They did something last season, I think, where some people actually came back and did it again. Oh, wow. Which, why you would want to do it again, I don't know. But, um, and then... Yikes. I think they were also checking in on some of the couples during quarantine, but I haven't seen any of that. So, yeah, it's really interesting and... It seems like no matter what, most of the participants say they learned a lot about themselves personally and just a lot about relationships through the experiment. So I feel like it was beneficial to a lot of them, even if they didn't stay married. Yeah, I could see that. Well, it sounds super interesting. I'm sure it's it's one of those that's just like, wow, that's dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of drama, of course, you know. There was one couple I saw who they quit after the honeymoon, <laughs> so they were together a week. Okay. Yikes. It, it covers the, the bases of, yeah. of, your, of your drama. So Right. If you're into, like, love social experiments, then give it a shot. So moving on to our weekly chat about Big Brother 22, All Stars, I guess you can call it that. <laughs> yeah we saw at the beginning that danny was the hoh and she won accidentally according to her but we were excited our initial reaction was excitement because we've been rooting for danny since the beginning and i was curious to see if she was gonna shake things up and i've been waiting for her competition skills to come out right it's been rough (laughs) a rough week for sure especially for danny fans out there and a lot of other fans out there so it was a wall competition 
which I was pretty excited about because to me, wall competitions can kind of go either way. Like, I feel like it's not one of those that's just suited for only one certain body type. And so in some ways, they can kind of even the playing field as far as like Danny is very athletic, but at the same time, she was on, I mean, that picture of the last three people on the wall were Danny, Nicole, and Cody. All three of them have very different body types. Right. And so I think that's kind of a good example of really anyone can win that competition for the most part, you know, if you're determined and can endure the apparently like freezing cold water. So yeah, I'm the same way. I was pretty excited for Danny to get power. Um, I don't know. I get back and forth about this committee large alliance type of deal, but uh, Danny ends up deciding to nominate David and Kevin, who are, you know, are seen kind of on the, the outsiders and not within the committee, not within whatever alliances they have. There's so many alliances. Oh my goodness. So that's kind of where the first episode stops is her nominations of David and Kevin. Obviously, she's pretty limited in her choices, and I was good with that. Most of that episode was about whether she was going to nominate Tyler or not, but she mentioned that the last time she played, she played too fast and got bit in the butt, aka when she backdoored Jeff, then everybody turned against her. Right, yeah. And then she ended up, you know, going home shortly after, so... I'm glad she recognizes that she doesn't need to do that again and didn't initially nominate him. I think Tyler did a good job during that of trying to beat her to the punch of saying, hey, I won't be mad if you put me up or I understand. Yeah. Um, that way he could get out in front of that and he he was definitely aware that she was targeting him, which was good. But they made a verbal agreement to not go after each other till final six. Tyler even volunteered final four. And that was that until dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we knew David had the disruptor power. So we knew that he was going to take himself off the block. Honestly, at first, when he used his power and got off the block and like he had worked up those tears, I was like, okay, like he's doing pretty well like this is believable everybody's comforting him like okay he's doing a good job but then he started like way over playing it and he was doing the most honestly (laughs) going around asking every single person did you save me did you save me and it was so funny how like no one took him seriously they were all like david come on we know you did it exactly And even, like, the Tyler diary room was funny on the episode where he's like, obviously not. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like, okay, yeah, some of these people you can ask, but Dave was like, well, I would have used it on myself last week. Right. Also, whoever said it was right, like, why would we save you, David? Like, (laughs) why? (laughs) Yeah. So, but that moment in that in the episode where you know the voice comes on over the loudspeaker and I don't even remember what they said something like everyone enter the dining room now and Danny is just looking at Nicole like oh my gosh what do I do what do I do what do I do and like panicking and I mean oh my gosh I would be in the same situation like oh my gosh this power is about to screw me over which it did um (laughs) 
I don't really know. Like, I, I try to fo- follow her thought process here. So David gets taken off of the block and immediately Danny has to choose a replacement nominee. And obviously she doesn't want to pick anyone from the committee, you would think. So that would leave her with Devon, Enzo, and Memphis, right? Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And... You know, it seems like she's trying to create bonds with Devon. So it seems like, you know, she doesn't want to put up her. And then Memphis and Enzo, I don't really know what her reasoning was for not putting up Memphis and Enzo other than she seems to have a pretty good relationship with them. The only thing I can think of for why she put up Tyler is because maybe in the back of her mind, she's like, well, it might be nice to have him as a possibility. Or if maybe she's thinking strategically kind of like she did at the end of the week where she wants the house to think that she's after him. I don't know, but it was not the best move um, according to her committee alliance members because they are all just really confused. But at the same time, I guess all of them would have wanted her to put up Devon is the impression I would get from, from somebody like Cody or Tyler or something like that. They would probably want her to put up one of those people or Ian potentially but as we found out later in the week Ian is close with Nicole they have a final two deal so I don't know it was a mess I feel like it was a combination of like she had to decide right then and then she had already been thinking of Tyler so since it was such a quick turnaround she just went with what she had initially been thinking And I guess was just going to deal with repercussions. Now, Mm -hmm. was it the best thing after she just made this verbal agreement with Tyler? No. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, David used the power and Tyler went up as the nominee. Then we get to the veto competition. (laughs) Okay. In that moment, when Nicole rolls out that, like, giant telescope looking deal Uh and she's like i'm gonna zap you guys and i'm like this is why i love big brother (laughs) (laughs) i know like i love the strategy but like the show doesn't take itself too seriously and that's just what i love and a lot of people play into it which Mm -hmm. i think is hilarious like when cody's like where'd they go and i was just like this is so stupid but i love it but okay I don't know how you felt about the Vita competition, but I loved it. Yeah, I don't remember ever seeing one like that before. I don't either. And I feel like, so if to explain if anybody doesn't remember, it's basically basically what happened was uh, the contestants are like transported into this place and they have these like giant tweezers with these micro, super small looking like beer cans. And they have to stack those cans into like a pyramid. And whoever does it in the fastest time wins. And yeah, like I really liked that competition because it's so different than really anything I think we've seen. Because it's not physical. I mean, it has, I guess, an element. But like, it's not really physical. It's not solely mental. It's like dexterity and like if you have like a soft touch and stable hands, which I would not, to be honest. 
I, w- I was really I thought that was really fun I thought it was such a cool idea and I had no idea who was gonna win I feel like that was anyone's game mm-hmm. I did yeah. think of Malcolm on Survivor Ooh, love Malcolm yeah. if you know him and his history on the show he always said that it the reason he would lose would be because of his hands like if it was something holding steady because he has such shaky mm-hmm. hands so I thought of him this he probably would have just like walked away Um, And I I have shaky hands, too, so I don't think I would have been very good at this. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was so cool. And I I have not laughed as hard all season as I did when Tyler exhaled and blew all of his cans over. Yes. (laughs) I had to rewind that and watch it again and then rewind it again to show my roommates because it was so funny. (laughs) Yeah, that clip was, it was hilarious, but so unfortunate. I know. But. I would have been um, so mad at myself. I know. It was like, wow, I would have just left it there. But so happy Davon pulled it out and won this like crazy veto competition. Her first competition win in Big Brother. So that was super exciting. And I loved her, like, miniature veto that she had. <laughs> I love it. It was, was so, so cute. Tiny. Yes. <laughs> it was so cute and tiny. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really excited for her that it was her first comp when I didn't remember that she had never won one before. So that was cool. Yeah, I, I, had, I had forgotten that as well, like, from Big Brother that she hadn't won a competition. But I remembered hearing that she's won a lot of challenges on the challenge. So yeah, I, I was very very excited for her. I was glad that day one, but <laughs> she was adamant that she was going to use it to save Kevin. And here's my thought. I totally get that like in their mind, everybody is against them. And for some reason, Ian got looped into that. I guess they just assumed Ian was in with the other people and not with them, which is why she wasn't concerned about, you know, Ian going up on the block. But she wanted to take Kevin down to protect one of her numbers, which I totally understand, especially if you don't have all the information like we do as viewers about who the alliances are and everything. But I just, I didn't think that was a good game move because at this point you're making Danny put up a, a fourth person and that's just not good for you and I feel like if Day wanted Tyler out maybe he would have had a better chance of going home against Kevin than whoever else Danny might have nominated so right I don't think that was her best move but also can she realize that wasn't a good move without knowing the committee right exactly and I'm sure it was hard too because she just lost Bailey and so she's fearful I'm about to lose Kevin who seems to be you know her other closest ally and friend so I don't know yeah it's hard to say really but that was super unfortunate that Ian was the one that was chosen to be the replacement nominee Personally, I was not happy with that decision just because I am a big Ian fan and I really wanted, if anyone was going to be a second time winner, I think he deserves it. (sighs) Yeah, there, so there was a lot of emotion involved with this whole, this whole week in general. And there were a lot of things that happened that were on the feeds that were not on the episode, which probably influenced a lot of people. But there are a lot of reads that I think are <laughs> not exactly quite on 
Like, for example, um, the non-committee people, in my opinion, seem to think that Ian was involved in that big alliance, which, I mean, us as viewers, we know that's not true. However, he was in the pocket of Nicole, who was part of that larger alliance. So maybe you would assume that they would be together. So I don't know. It was rough. (laughs) Yeah, I think Davon, by taking Kevin off the block, and having Ian going up there, she thought, okay, now one of their own is going home. And right. it wasn't the case. It was just another one of the people that could have been on Davon's side. If everybody had yeah. listened to Kaser and Janelle. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> right. What's done is done, I guess. Because, um, yeah. I mean, aside from, like, Memphis being involved in all this, Kaser knew what was going on. And, yeah, you know, people could have listened to him, but... They didn't. I thought it was unfair for Ian. I don't know. I just hate that they thought he was part of that group and there wasn't good communication going on apparently. But at the same time, he thought he was in with Danny and Cody and Nicole and, you know. Yeah, I believe that he was safe and thought that if there was a tie that Danny would vote out Tyler. You know, I wasn't happy that Ian was on the block either, especially because I feel like it's just one of those times that it's like on Survivor during Tribal Council when something happens and all of a sudden someone goes home whose name hadn't even been mentioned that whole time it's like wait Mm -hmm. how did we get here i feel like it's the same situation it's just very frustrating because there's almost nothing you can do once it gets to that point i don't know it it was really hard because ian thought danny was making an idiot move basically he said you know i thought there was gonna be a higher caliber of thinking on an all-star season and basically told her exactly how he felt that i'm not gonna vote for you because you're not playing a good game and (laughs) yeah you know I will give major props to Danny for that because he's saying all this to her and she's just saying I know I'm sorry like I'm an idiot basically when in reality it's the opposite happening to him they've convinced everybody that Tyler is the one going out and it's also covering up the committee alliance but yeah I think she did a good job of you know making everybody think she was going against Tyler and and really, Tyler was the one who almost ruined that by not campaigning at all. Right. Yeah, that that bit on the episode where Davon's like, hmm, that's a little odd. Like, either he's ready to go home like he was last week, or he thinks he's staying. And then, of course, you had Nicole fighting for Ian's life, I think, harder than Ian fought for his life. I mean, for good reason. If there are two winners, you don't want to be the only one left. Yeah. And, you know, I think she was sad on a personal level, too. So she was trying to convince everybody and... Which may be to her detriment. Who knows? Yeah. And, I mean, people told her that and she did it anyway. So I mm-hmm. personally think she started doing it a little bit too hard because Cody especially, I think, got really frustrated with her. The yeah. whole bit about her being upset because... Danny nominated Nicole's number one instead of Cody's number one, a.k.a. Enzo. My thought there was, well, that's not what she was taking into account. She's not trying to take a jab at you or knock you down a peg. Literally, y'all were in another alliance with Enzo. And, -hmm. like, Enzo is winning competitions and might be a better asset. And Ian, there's not really that much of a game situation going on so it probably was better for Danny to nominate Ian over Enzo for her own game but you know Cody got really frustrated with that (laughs) 
and was like well why are you mad at me <laughs> so right yeah and I, I think he was he was wise to not budge to nicole because it really didn't make sense on a game level to fight for ian to stay when all these other people in his alliance have been in power and kept him safe and probably wouldn't happen with ian you know what i mean right um as far as Ian and Tyler being on the block together. It was a real lose-lose situation for me. Um, Yeah. I think for both of us. I don't know. It's hard because I feel like so far, Tyler has been playing more aggressively for sure. So we've just seen more of him. And like his strategy was just different than Ian's. Ian's strategy was to lay low and then kind of pop up later in the season. So... It was kind of like we haven't gotten enough of Ian yet. I feel like we could have more. But at the same time, I felt like Tyler was in a better position if he stayed and has more of a shot of making it further than Ian did. Mainly Mm -hmm. because of the alliance. Yeah. I don't know. I was going to be upset either way. But I'm hopeful that the target is kind of off of Tyler now. I feel like he paid his... He paid his dues. You know what I mean? And it's obvious that... No one in his alliance except for Danny wants him out. Yeah, so eviction night, it seemed like Ian knew what the cards he were he was dealt. Um and the the vote was five to three. I don't know. Ian Terry is just like such a classy, intelligent person, very much a gentleman. Um, his speech to the house was superb and his interview with Julie was great. You know, he's not holding any grudges or being rude or anything like that, which sometimes, I mean, I can't blame people for being that way, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, you know, just depending on the hand of their dealt. So, I can't fault people for that. But yeah, he he's a graceful kind of person and I'm I mean, I'm excited. I hope he stays in jury. I heard a rumor that both he and Tyler said that they if they made it to jury, they were going to quit. So, I don't know if that's true. I hope it's not. Um especially for Ian because I feel like Tyler since he said he was going to quit last week, <laughs> And if he said, I'm not going to jury, I'm not going to be the first person to jury, I feel like if he would have gone to jury, who knows if he would have been there (laughs) also. But my question, do you think there's going to be a jury battle back competition? Now that could be interesting because, I mean, aside from Julie telling everybody who got evicted, you know, all the secrets of the house, I was pretty sure there wasn't going to be one at the beginning because of COVID and stuff. It just seemed very unrealistic that Mm -hmm. they would send someone back into the house and risk anything happening. So yeah, just on a safety perspective and she's literally showing them, this is the Alliance that took you out. And it's like, (laughs) I don't think Julie would show you that if you're going to go back in the game. Exactly. So unfortunately for us, we couldn't get, you know, one of those people back. But yeah, technically, they're going from one house to another. So I don't know. It's it's kind of hard still for me to think that they're going to take the risk of anybody coming back. Mm-hmm. But if it's safe, I'm not opposed because it will keep shaking things up. And it'll probably, uh, with the way things have been going, be someone that we like coming back. So Right. And someone not in that big alliance. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that Ian sticks it out, especially because, I mean, his vote will matter at the end. And I mean, he told Danny he wasn't voting for her. So maybe he's planning <laughs> on voting. <laughs> I don't know. 
Um, yeah. He looked awesome. I loved his suit. He was so classy, like you said, in his speech and almost made me teary-eyed because his first season was basically my first season. So, you know, it was sentimental in that way. And I can't believe it was eight years ago. Yeah, I just love him. I would love to be friends with him. Yes. I think, you know, Anna, you're an old pal. You've met him at Hearts of Reality. It's true. We're basically (laughs) friends. Exactly. (laughs) Those five minutes that we talked, we're just like, wow. (laughs) Follow me on Twitter. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Well, maybe, maybe he can be a guest one day if we're blessed in that way. That would be great. Yes, I just think he has an awesome handle on the game and also he's such a fan which makes me so happy because I feel like he acts the way I would hope I would react if I were a contestant because I feel like fans get it when they play. When Julie asks him, so do you feel betrayed by anyone? And he said, no, it's a game. Like, duh. And I feel right. like so many people don't have that. They don't have that perspective or that ability to just separate. This is a game. And I'm a fan of playing the game and let's make good game moves and not be bitter at people. So honestly, I felt bad for him when he was saying he hated to be the victim of a dumb move. And I would have felt the same way. But when they confessed in their goodbye messages to him about the committee, he was so excited. And I think he was so relieved that he didn't get taken out by a stupid move. I think he was like, oh, right. my goodness. It's like at least, right, at least it wasn't some kind of fluke. Like this mm-hmm. was actually kind of planned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I felt relieved for him. So, yep. Good old Ian Terry. I, I love him. So, and his hug with Memphis was incredibly awkward, which was even better. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. I hope we get some good jury moments with him because he was the comic relief we needed this season. It's so true. Oh my goodness. Okay, so since we're nearing the episode, the end of the episode, who do you think is the legendary Big Brother or Big Brother legend that's coming to live in the neighbor's house or whatever Julie said? Do you have speculation? I would like it to be somebody really random that I'm not expecting. Like, Mm -hmm. let's bring in... Like, who's who's a legend? Eddie. (laughs) Yes! Oh my gosh. I would pass out if Eddie came on. (laughs) Eddie from Big Brother the first season. Yes, I... Eddie, Eddie deserves some, some credit, you know? He played a different game than everybody else, but he was the only one ready to play the real Big Brother, in my opinion. So... Yeah. He was there for the money, which is what you should be doing. But, yeah, I... I hope it's somebody really random. Like, how about Jason from BB3? Love him. Ooh, I would love that. Yeah. I know some people were tweeting at Danielle from BB3 saying they wanted it to be her. She thought it was going to be Dr. Will, Rachel, or someone else. I can't remember. I won't be surprised at all if it's Dr. Will. I am curious, though, that if that person comes Like, are they saying that they're going to be in the house? Not necessarily, like, playing with them, but, like, if they're going to host the competition, are they going to be quarantining for two weeks? I don't know. I thought about that, too. If they stay on that side, maybe not. Like, if they stay over on that side of the house and don't actually enter into their territory, maybe not. But I think that Julie said they were going to come in with some news or something that'll change the game. So maybe they're bringing in a twist or... Okay. 
I don't know, but I hope it's I hope it's good. I saw some people speculating that it was Zingbot. We expect to see him. I don't think that's right. Right, I think so too. And so and uh, I think it was again. Taryn Armstrong made a. I think he tweeted something about it that Zingbot is like a veto competition usually. So it seems like this is gonna. I don't know if this is gonna happen for the veto competition or what. But yeah, it'll be interesting. And I'm. And now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if it's going to be somebody who's local to the L.A. area. Mm, true. So maybe it is more likely to be Will or Rachel. Right. But speaking of Danielle Reyes and Jason Guy, they have a podcast called The Secret Alliance, which is really fun. So I recommend that listen if you, you know, just need more Big Brother in your life. Yes. <laughs> Two of my favorite Big Brother people, honestly. Yeah, I think they're definitely. Both really good players and really good people who I would also love to be friends with in real life. Definitely. I just think they're so, so cool. How about Howie? Let's bring in Hurricane Howie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would be funny. <laughs> yeah, let's fly Howie over from Alaska and have him deliver the BB News report and let him know that everybody's frustrated with the season and we need to shake some stuff up. <laughs> right. <laughs> you are not allowed to be in an alliance that you were in before. Yeah. And Please while we're reshuffle. At it, let's get James up in here and be like, BB6, you can't get rid of us, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. We saw the last little bit of the HOH, but the only thing I had to say about that is that Danny decided not to use her replay power to play in the HOH two weeks in a row. And my guess is she said, I already had to nominate two weeks worth of people. Yeah. So right. I'm good. Yeah, that was my thought. And I, I feel like she maybe thought, you know, that's going to put another target on my back that I had this power. Yeah, I think that was a good call on her part. So Which, Callan and I know the spoilers for what's going on, but I don't think we're going to mention that. Yeah, if you want to know, just hop on Twitter or the live feeds, and you can easily find out for yourself. True. It's been another good week and another good chat, even though I feel like our big brother chats are always <laughs> from disappointed people. <laughs> yes. We're always upset with what's going on, so. Yeah, pretty uh, much. That seems to be how returning player seasons go, though, for me, for the, mo- for the most part. At least when it's all strangers who suck. You can be like, ugh, I hate all these people. And like, I can go home. I don't care if you go home, you know? Yeah. If you want to keep up with us, like I said at the beginning of the episode, be sure to follow us on social. And also, if you get a chance, leave us a rating and a review and subscribe because we would love your support and we appreciate it so far. Thank you for listening to this episode Um, Mm -hmm. and be sure to send in your requests of what you want us to drink, what you want us to watch, what you want us to discuss. And we have an exciting announcement that we are now on Amazon Music. Yes. So if you need another way to listen to us, then hit us up. Yes, hit us up. Um, on all the platforms. It's very exciting. Also, this week we hit 200 downloads across all our episodes, which is so cool. (laughs) Very, very exciting. And we've just been getting some fun feedback from y'all. So thank you so much for your support. We have a great time doing this. And honestly, this was, I was looking back at the things 
I've said throughout 2020 in my notes on my phone, just thoughts that I've had. And one of them earlier in the year was just that I needed a creative outlet. And I know that Anna and I discussed that and that led us to creating this. And for me, it has been that and it's been really fun. Definitely. So thank you all for listening. And we'd probably do it even if you didn't listen, but it helps a lot that you do. It really does. Having an audience just makes it even better. Exactly. We know we're not talking to just each other, so we appreciate it. (laughs) We will be back next week with another fun episode. But until then, enjoy whatever you are drinking at home. Let us know what you're watching. And cheers. Cheers.